Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. The Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you DBS advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John, it's Catherine's birthday today as this podcast yep. is coming out. Right. And she asked for, for a Pixar movie about uh, a young boy and an old man who become friends on, and they take a, a huge adventure all over the world um, with balloons and talking dogs yeah. and et cetera. And I just, I just couldn't get it for her. Why not? Why am I getting rickrolled? Because I'm never going to give her up. Never going to give her up. I'm never going to give her up. She can't have up. That's my joke. That was good. That was good. I worked on it for a while. Yeah. And I appreciate, I always appreciate a rickroll. I especially appreciate a rickroll that I truly do not see coming. In addition to being Catherine's birthday, and I think it's important to say, Hank, that when I talked to Catherine about her birthday, she was very clear with me about what she actually wanted for her birthday, mm. which was for every living American to order the Anthropocene Reviewed book, which comes out tomorrow. <laughs> wow. Oh, gosh, that's also true. <laughs> yeah. So she was just like, you know what? I don't want anything for me. Just make sure that everybody gives someone they care about in their lives mm -hmm. the new nonfiction book, The Anthropocene Reviewed available everywhere books are sold as of tomorrow. <laughs> you can't get an unsigned copy because there you aren't any. You can't, it can't happen. I got mine. It is a signed copy. It's a beautiful book too and uh, and fun. Thanks. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not it's, always it, fun, of course. Yeah. Is, when I've been that. talking about it, I've, if my voice sounds a little thin, it's because I've been doing nine straight hours of radio interviews. But when I've been mm -hmm. talking about it, I, I inevitably like, emphasize what I what I want the book to be but like I don't talk about the fact that it's funny and I, hmm. and I'm a little worried that people are going to like read this book and right. be like this yeah. book is kind of funny <laughs> but yeah <laughs> it's supposed also, to be they, funny they like won't realize and they'll be like I don't want that in my life they'll uh, be like well, yeah. yeah well I don't it's a weird book I hope it's you like it book. it yeah. comes out tomorrow I always had that same problem where I'd always end up talking about all the serious parts of the book and then I'd be like, right, but it's a but adventure it's a story 
and it's yeah. a romp and everybody's nice. Not everybody. Yeah, nice. that's one of the things about your books that makes it really hard to talk about because like it is about the social internet and the complexities of navigating internet fame. And those are big, weighty subjects yeah. that are treated in a big, weighty way. But right. the book is also really, really fun. And and I I guess the reason it's important to me to point that out is that, like, I am not interested in books that are not fun. Like, yeah, I want to cry. I want to be moved. I want to feel something. I want to think big thoughts. Right. But, like, it had better be fun because I... This like this is hard. This is really hard. You don't mean and books. You mean life. I mean life. And I yeah. do not need like another assignment right now. Yeah. Right. Well, and I mean, it's it's interesting. Like, obviously, your books also are not uh, always considered to be fun. Uh, that's not like the first adjective people use, but they are fun. That's one of the things. That's like the main thing you forget about them when you're done with them. Yeah. Well, I don't want it to feel like an assignment or a responsibility or an obligation or any of that. Like yeah. reading should be pleasurable. And we've a little bit like lost this, I think, because now yeah. we associate reading books with this like kind of like classy, sophisticated activity or whatever. Yeah. But like reading is joyful. And I've I I I've tried really hard to write a book that like looks hard for joy and looks hard for wonder and celebrates it where I can find it. So anyway, the book comes out tomorrow. I hope everybody likes it. I'm super nervous. Here's our first question. It's from Fell, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I know Mars is a planet, but is Mars a world? Hmm. I don't know. You, you know, I think I think yes. And I I don't know. Yeah. Well, so I think so Mars I think... used to be a world. But I don't know mm. if it's a world now. See, I, I, I think anything. I think there are. I think world is larger than planet. Oh no, disagree. So wait, are you saying the moon is part of our world? No, I'm saying the moon is a world of its own. Oh, oh. Okay. Follow up question: uh-huh. Is an asteroid that is like uh, habitated is mm. that a world? I think it. I think that if it's big enough, it is. And I, I, How big does it have to be? I need an exact circumference. Uh, well, so like, so like the the livable area, I think is the the important mm-hmm. thing here. But well, for, just to be clear, the livable area of Mars is zero square feet. <laughs> Same with the Moon. Same with yeah, the Moon. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I, I the smallest apartment I've ever lived in has literally oh. infinitely more livable oh. area yeah. than Mars or the Moon. <laughs> <laughs> so you, so that is also a world. I think that the, I think that so, so does the Earth contain the multiple apartment worlds? that I lived in on the Upper West Side when Sarah was in graduate <laughs> yeah. school is a world. Yeah. That's good to know. I'll tell the opera singer who lived upstairs <laughs> that she lived in another world, literally a completely different world. And the some, guy who lived below us also had lived some in bleed a different over world between had, the worlds. Yeah, it was yeah. it was one building with nine worlds in it. I mean, is that kind of true though? Like, do you think that there can no. be more than one world on this planet? I think there kind of can mm. be like my own little world, you know, like if you if you find a place that you know very well that no one else knows that you spend a lot of time in and that becomes that becomes your world. Yeah. Yes. But those your world. I don't know. you I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. I think the risk of that is the implication that somehow your world can exist separate from other people's worlds. Mm-hmm. That's always the risk. Like when you start to talk about like the first world or right. whatever. Right. Right. But. 
But we're not talking about no, that. We're talking about that. whether Mars is a world. And the answer to whether Mars is a world is, <sighs> in my opinion, whether or not anything is alive on Mars. Yeah, right. I mean, it'd be interesting. Like that's 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 interesting that the the idea of a world, because we kind of need a word for that. Like we have, yes, we, we have. Like, imagine, yeah. Like imagine the NASA press conference, Hank, where somebody sits down and there are all these microphones and they clear their throat and then they calmly say. Today, we would like to announce that Mars is a world. Mm. And everybody just like explodes into applause. <laughs> it's a world. It's a world. There's life on Mars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it wouldn't be. So so somebody else would have to decide on that definition of a world. And that would be the International Astronomical Union, not NASA, because we mm. don't do that. Just one country doesn't get to decide things like that. So there's a union mm. of scientists who do that. And they're the people who decided that, like, Pluto wasn't a planet, for example. Right, I recall. <laughs> um, of all uh, the things the but, internet has gotten upset about, that might be the least interesting one. Yeah, which is really I saying do, something. I do, I do find that that well, what so like I find that particular opinion not that interesting, but I find the prev and I I'm sorry because I know a lot of people have it, but the prevalence of it I do find interesting because it is so hard to take something that you have known your whole life. And that you were taught in school and suddenly have that not be a thing anymore. It just is like, no, no, I will like th this is like a bedrock of my understanding of the world. And we have to do this all the time. We have to do this all the time. And, and it's more than just planets. It's also like understanding our our society, our history, our our government, our country. And that's the Higgs boson. It's like hard. Yeah, it's true. We have to we have to make room for the fact that the way we understand the world is incomplete and mm -hmm. as it gets more complete there are things that we thought were true that turn out not to be. I saw a person who got very angry today on TikTok who was saying I don't understand how these different species are having babies that can have babies. And uh because there's this very specific definition of species that we talk about that just doesn't embody reality effectively because it's just it's just more complicated than that and it and the 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 beauty of that or the the, the complexity of that is really beautiful but we don't have time yeah. to get into it in middle school right. science class and so you're taught this thing that's just not quite true it's mostly true but it's but not it quite should true. be taught it should be taught as not quite true and this is it's hard the, I, it's hard to do yeah, yeah, this is definitely one of the like dead horses that I have beaten to death and will now further beat, but we have to acknowledge that we don't know almost everything. So the the reason <laughs> why what we know keeps changing is that we don't know almost everything. And I mm -hmm. we are so there are so many biases in contemporary discourse, but to me the biggest bias is we are completely biased by what we know or think we know and we pay very little attention to what we don't know. We we pay so little attention to big questions, big unanswered questions about how viruses spread, about virus seasonality, mm -hmm. about virus infectivity. We don't know. There's so much we don't know about virology because like 150 years ago we didn't know there were viruses. <laughs> so, For 99.999% so, of human history, we didn't know about them. And I think, okay, there's a really important distinction here because it's very easy to hear, we don't know almost everything and think most of what we know is wrong. That's no, not no, what no. we're saying. 
No, the there's things a lot. That there's we just know a lot we don't know. Are almost all right. But, yes. but there is so much that we don't know. Like, now there are some things that we think we know that we're wrong about. And like, which right. things are those? That's hard to know. But most of them we're right about. Yeah. But we, but like, for example, we don't know like how it's like pick, pick a South American lizard. We don't know almost everything. Like we know what it is. We've named it. We know what it looks like. We got a picture of it, but we don't, don't know almost everything about its life, what it does all day. Like we don't know. I don't know what you did all day. That's Dude, also encompassed know. in the, in the every, almost everything that we do not know. I don't know almost everything that's happening inside of my body. Yeah. Like, I don't know about the bacterial infections I'm fighting off. I don't understand. I I don't understand why I'm thinking about what I'm thinking about. Mm. I don't understand why I can't stop thinking about it. (laughs) We don't understand. We we don't understand why people have thoughts. Like, yeah, (laughs) we We don't understand how it's possible to have a to wake up in the morning with the same song in your head that you went to sleep with. Like, what? How is that a thing? Did I go to here's did, it, did that time even pass? Here's what I think about all the time. We don't know why when I close my eyes and I think of an apple, we don't know where that apple is. <laughs> like, Where's the pickle? We have Hank? no idea. We have no idea where that apple is. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know how we do that. It's weird. It's we know that weird we that, that we can do that. It's, it's weird that I can close my eyes and point to the television. That's weird. Yeah. Also, some people can't see the apple, which I know. we don't know why that is. We don't. We don't know almost everything. But what we do know is mostly true. There are some things that on like the edge of knowledge. And this mm-hmm. is I think this is where it's an issue for me. And we will be, get back to this question of whether Mars is a world, which was only a five word question. But there are things that are on the edge of knowledge that we often act like we're kind of certain about because it's very inconvenient to have them on the edge of knowledge. Right. Like, we have some ideas why viruses might be seasonal. We have actually some really good ideas. We have even some ideas that are backed up by fairly strong evidence. Mm-hmm. We don't have, but, but, but we aren't sure. And, 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 and living with that uncertainty is really difficult. And then asking someone to take their certainty, such as that Pluto is a planet, and decertify and now become certain that Pluto is not a planet is a big ask. So I get why people are upset about it because like it takes so much work to get to certainty. And now you're telling me that it wasn't a planet all along. And I, so I understand the frustration there. And that's why we have to be very careful about defining whether or not Mars is a world, because we, if we have to unworld Mars, it's going to be such an issue. Mm hmm. People John, are going to get so upset. They're going to be like, Mars was a world. Now yeah. you're saying it's not a world. Maybe mm-hmm. I can't trust anything. Maybe the Earth yeah. is flat. Do you know? So I've done a little bit of research uh, just now, and I wanted to tell you one thing that that, that like uh, makes up the vast majority of what we don't know. Hmm. And that is the location of people's AirPods. So almost all of what we don't know, and this is remarkable because like it's a huge amount of stuff that we don't know, but the vast majority of what we don't know is just where your AirPods AirPods? are. Where are the AirPods? Which is why, uh, which is why that that uh, AirPods makes about twice as much money as uh, Spotify and Twitter and Snap and Shopify combined. Yeah. 
because you need a new pair of them every week because we don't know where any of them are. I lost. Similarly, my, I lost one of my AirPods, John. I had them for. I had. Well, I'm. Well, that's the other great impressed. thing about AirPods is that if you lose one of them, you've also lost the other one. <laughs> that's not true. I can. I can listen. I almost always have just one AirPod in. Uh, I I find it distracting, but it yeah, is not a good. It own. is not a good like. Uh, audit auditory experience but i don't want an auditory experience i want benedict cumberbatch to tell me about time is mars a world (laughs) (laughs) um uh look i think that i think that this is i think i am right now we don't have a good definition of a world i think that if the livable area of a of a piece of the universe that is not connect like that has vacuum of space between it and the earth is larger than like let's say downtown london that's a world but you it define livable livable means that life can live there no a human society can live there currently then mars and the, and the moon are not a world there are no worlds in our solar system except for our world that is true. now i want to throw a wrench I, I, into the monkey please. works here <laughs> because we are not even close to done with this question <laughs> Sorry. Okay. We're I just don't... warming up. Okay. <laughs> We're renaming the podcast Is Mars a World. We're canceling the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. This is all we are from now on. I love that. That's what you think I'm laughing about. But oh, what are you fine. laughing about? That you decided you're going to throw a wrench into the monkey works? Not a I'm monkey throw wrench a monkey into, into the work? The wrench works? What's the, what's the statement? <laughs> I'm going to throw a monkey. John, do not throw a monkey into the wrench works. I might have to. I mean, I've got to stop the works. That's, I don't think that's, that's going to do it. That's to only going to stop the, the Mars monkey. conversation. I think the works what, will be fine. What, what, do you? Do I just throw a wrench into it's, the works? Yeah, it could be a monkey wrench if you wanted it to be. I'm going to throw a monkey wrench into the monkey is, works. I've got no, it. No. Okay. I'm going to throw a monkey wrench into the monkey works. Those monkeys are not going to be able to do any more industrial labor once that this saboteur gets his work done because those... Those monkeys are going to have to shut it down. There's a wrench in there, monkey works. Okay. What I'm going to throw a monkey wrench into the monkey works right now, Hank. Uh-huh. You know how like every movie trailer begins with the words in a world? That's because- In a world. Yes. Very well done. That's because Thank you. every time we imagine a world, we are imagining a world. And when we think about what that means, when we say in a world, it means a place where sentient beings are living. Yeah, it's almost like uh, you need, in order for there to be, for it to be a world, you need drama. Yes. You need some kind of human drama. Yes. Or not non-human drama also would be fine. Or sentient drama. Yeah. You need, you need like creatures making choices, which I guess, I don't know. I guess we're not the only creature on earth that makes choices. No, there's plenty, there's plenty of non-human drama. Oh, I mean, almost all the drama so, on Earth is non-human, actually. We're sort of, we are a very, we we really put uh, ourselves as the protagonist of this story, but like we are, we're, what we are is a really loud, obnoxious yeah. side character. Well, we are, yeah. I mean, it's a, it, it depends on how long the story is. Um, but I'll tell you, we are, we, as you, as you have put it, we are a problem for everyone. Yeah. I actually, in the Anthropocene Reviewed book, I think I quote you as saying that. It's so. true. You said I said that. I don't remember having said that, but I believe you that I did. Yeah. I mean, I, I should have probably run those quotes past you, but they were all <laughs> flattering. <laughs> Look, so, I absolutely to, believe you. 
before we get to the next bit, can we just talk about how one time on stage I said I had a very happy childhood, but I wasn't a very happy child, and you just uh-huh. wrote that down in an absolutely remarkable thing, and now it's like the third most quoted line in the book. Hey, hey, <laughs> we got we got to the van. I was working on my book, and I said, can I put that in my book? And you said yes. Yeah, yeah. So I if, thanked you if I, in the end of the book for something or something else, so, probably not for that specific thing. So I hope I didn't slightly misquote you in the Anthropocene Review book. <laughs> if I did, it was in the most flattering way imaginable because every single quote in that book is like, my wise little brother likes to say. <laughs> yeah, and I just stole that. That was just April's line now. Well, I, kinda, I, I like it as an April line more than I like it as a me line anyway. I was never going to use it. Yeah. Yeah, otherwise it's kind of mean to our parents. Right. Well, it's again though, it's had nothing to do with them that I had an un- <laughs> that I was an unhappy child. As evidenced by my mostly happy childhood, though I had my years. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Hank, let's move on to another question. <laughs> we didn't answer that one, but we did spend 22 minutes on it. This question is from Daisy who asks, "Dear Hank and John, I swear I swear this one won't be hard. When I want to eat only one side of a bagel, which side should I eat? The the top looks fluffier and has some gapping air pockets to take away from the eating experience. But then the bottom half looks breadier and somehow thicker. But it has those weird little bread seeds from the bottom that that sometimes take away from my eating experience. Bagel decisions, hazy daisy. Lovely. Sign off. I So... I know exactly what to do. I do too. And I have such a strong opinion about this. And if you disagree with me, I'm going to get so mad. It's going to be like, well, how about, how about you go first then? Okay. Here is my solution, Daisy. And it is, it is so obvious and it is so Mm -hmm. objectively correct. You cut the bagel in half and you eat half of the top and half Mm. of the bottom together. Mm. That is an excellent idea and point. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and it would it would totally trump my like what I'm about to suggest. But wait for it. Okay. Here's what you do okay. when you're me. You cut the bagel in half, and you have two halves of a bagel. And you're like, I only want one of those. And then you pick somewhat at random, based by on looking at them, and sort of just. I'm I am also with you, Daisy. I don't have a good way to choose. And so I eat one half and sometimes it's the top and sometimes it's the bottom. And I never quite feel like it was the right choice. And then, Daisy, I I eat the other half (laughs) every single time. Just just cut the bagel in half. And that way you have both the top and the bottom experience. Hank, yeah, I except, have to, and then and then eat the other half because yeah. I have never eaten half a bagel. It's very hard. It's very it's like it's like eating just one Pringle. <laughs> yeah, except except that every Pringle is 300 calories. <laughs> <laughs> Hank, I actually have to go upstairs for like uh, five minutes because I have to okay. I, I have a, uh, a a door door installation thing happening. Okay. So you are going to have the most wonderful experience. I've had this experience a couple of times. I don't think you've ever had it where you get to host the podcast by yourself and do a question by yourself. I'll be right back. Okay. All right. Well, let's do that. Uh, so this next question. Goodbye, John. It comes from Dana, who asks, Dear Hank, and I don't care about John, Dana said. Wow, that's convenient. Today, I realized that when you uh, remove the first letter from when, where, and what and replace it with a T, you get the question, then, there, and that. But I'm wondering which came first. We're going to save that one for John because my mind has been blown and I hope that he has an answer for it because he bolded it and I didn't bold it. So instead, I'm going to move on. I'm going to ask this question from Henry, who wants, who has a question about glue. 
and I can't answer it. It's from Henry. He says, dear Hank, I don't care about John. Also, weirdly, um, I'm five and my name is Henry. Mom is helping me type this. I like Hank's joke videos. Uh, Why? That's awesome. Thank you for coming to this podcast. Why does this glue have a cow on the front? Is it called cow glue? Henry. Um, So this is a this is a picture of Elmer's glue. It's safe, non-toxic, washable, no run school glue. It's the number one teacher brand. And we've if you are in America anyway, there's a very high probability that you have used Elmer's glue. If you take a look at Elmer's glue, there's a there's a bull uh, above the glue. And uh, and this is because Elmer's glue was originally made by the company Borden. Borden, you may have still be buying milk or milk products from Borden because they still exist. They've been around since the 1850s and they used to make glue uh, because the guy who started Borden, whose name was Gail Borden, he had uh, he was an inventor and stuff. And he figured out ways to turn cow products into other products, including uh, there was a bull named Elmer, apparently, in the sort of Borden mythology and his uh, casein, casein, it's a uh, protein was used as the gluey part of the glue. Now, Elmer's glue is no longer made out of cow parts, but it was once. And so, Henry, that's the news. I think that it was made from the hooves of cows uh, that were it, it, part of part of the Borden family enterprise. So that's Elmer. There's a picture of Elmer. There's always been a picture of Elmer on Elmer's glue since for over 100 years now. Now, El- Borden doesn't even own Elmer's anymore. It got bought by a different company. But anyway, uh, that's the story of of Elmer. And I think Elmer was married. So they were like a cow couple and the branding. Elmer was married to Elsie the cow. And so like Elsie made like the milk and Elmer made the glue. And that was the I, I mean, they were being creative and all this stuff back then. I'm sure it was like, wow, this is this is a really inventive uh, brand strategizing. No one's ever imagined products the way that Borden is. And now it's, of course, very, very old fashioned. Um, so there was no man named Elmer. There was a cow named Elmer. Elmer was married to Elsie, the, the cow. Um, and he's where the glue came from. <laughs> so Henry is at it at the end. P.S. My favorite Hank joke is, why did the monkey fall out of the tree? Because it was dead. Why did the second monkey fall out of the tree? Because it was stapled to the first monkey. Why did the third monkey fall out of the tree? It was peer pressure. Uh, You're five, Henry. That seems like, I'm sorry, that seems like a bit of a dramatic joke for you, but I'm glad that you liked it. I'm glad that you liked it, and I'm glad that this is great. Now, Henry will know this thing about Elmer's glue, because John hasn't gotten back yet, and John will never know. Oh, will no one tell him? How was it? Wait, what? No one tell me what. The uh, you, everyone is going to know something about the world that you don't know. It's not an important thing. It's oh. not about you. Oh gosh! But everybody's going to know it, and you're you're not never going to know. You might learn some other time. Yeah, like when I listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you I act guess. like it's like not publicly available. <laughs> Do you listen to the podcast? I mean, not usually, but I'll listen to that bit. Okay, well, you'll learn about it then. Then actually, I listen. I listen to it a fair amount because my kids are big fans. They oh, really, nice. they mostly like the Uncle Hank parts, though. Uh, Catherine also listens to it, so I will sometimes hear it. I can't walked in, uh, and she was listening to it in the kitchen on the bit where you were talking about Irish settlers, and I just I was like, <laughs> "Wow, this is a good podcast." <laughs> we're oh god, uh, it's really good. John, now that you're back, I started answering a question and I gave up on it. Okay. Um, because I felt like I needed you. Okay. 
And what was it? I desperately is from Dana who asks, Dear Hank and John, and now I'm including John in it. Today, I realized that when you remove the first letter from when, where, and what and replace it with a T, you get the answer to each question. Yeah. Then, there, and that. But I'm wondering which came first, the question or the answer. There is no way this can be a coincidence. Thanks, Dana. My mind is melting. That is wild. (laughs) Yeah, well, it is very weird. Then, there, and that. Like, Like, is that why the H's are there? You don't need the H's there. This is wild, John. I don't know if that's why the H's are there. It must not be. I'm sure it's not why the H's are there, but still. So, Hank, I've never been able to find a definitive answer to this question. It is something that I have wondered about over the years when I was writing something, um, because Mm -hmm. it is very strange, and I'm sure there is a relationship between them. I just don't know what it is. I don't know if we even know which predates the other. Hopefully, somebody who's an expert will write in and tell us. What I do know is that whose those also adheres to this rule, but why yeah. why thy doesn't? Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you want to get really like metaphysical or whatever. And the one that definitely doesn't is there is no wheeze for these, but there definitely should be. <laughs> like there should totally be a like whose are these? Should be that question should be asked as wheeze, and the answer should be <laughs> these. Or would it be Weez? would it be wheeze these? Wheeze these. These. Wheeze. 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 These. Yeah. It should be wheeze. Just that shorten it all up. I, so how, if you put a W in front of how and called it wow, then thou would be what would be left over. So how that doesn't answer that question. It doesn't thou is um, a word, again, you gotta get a little metaphysical really for thou to answer how. But you don't yeah. have to get it all <laughs> metaphysical for wheeze to answer with these. <laughs> So there's something about saying it that I just find wildly fulfilling. Wheeze? Wheeze? These. These. <laughs> oh, I'm so, right, so, I'm so another... sad that I didn't get the question answered, but thank you for blowing my mind. We have another. Oh, did you answer the Elmer the Cow one? I did. Oh, God, that's the best story. And I can't believe five-year-old Henry helped me uncover it. <laughs> oh. What an incredible story. Yeah. Who knew well, maybe you know... that Elmer's glue was owned by the Borden Dairy people because Glue had a... a, I knew all of it. And it's an incredible story, and I can't believe that you stole it from me (laughs) just because I had to talk to the guy about the door. (laughs) Did you find out about Elsie? Yes. I know all about Elsie and Elmer and their relationship with each other. It's a wild story. Well, do you know more about their relationship than they were married? Because that's all I know. I only know that there was Elsie the cow and Elmer the cow. Well, they were married, but they, they just to be clear, they weren't really married for two reasons. One, cows don't get married. Get and two, married. they yeah. weren't real cows. Yeah, yeah. You know everything that I knew. <laughs> I can't believe we independently became experts in Elmer the cow <laughs> <laughs> to solve five-year-old Henry's well, problem. But Henry, they did, what a they great did have question, like, man. Yeah, they did have like a, so, so they, they had enough of a, there was an LC comic. So like Elsie had comics. Yeah. And I've got a I've got an Elsie the Cow cartoon here where they've got their children, Beulah and Beauregard. Mm. And good cow names. Uh, El- Elmer does not look happy. Yeah. Uh, he just wants to read his newspaper, which would be the equivalent of looking at your phone. Mm-hmm. And uh 
Elsie is unsurprisingly taking care of all the business. <laughs> all right. Well, you did dig a little deeper than I did if you made it all the way to the Elmer Elsie uh, relationship dynamics as told <clears throat> in the comics about them. This next question yeah. comes from Emily, who writes, Dear mm-hmm. John and Hank, yesterday I went to Subway and I ordered the sandwich that Andy gets in a beautifully foolish endeavor because I read that book and I loved it, by the way, and it sounded good as a sandwich. Mm. The sandwich was amazing, but so was, by the way, I I like Subway. Amazing is a very strong adjective. (laughs) It's a good sandwich. It's a good. Sweet onion chicken teriyaki. It's a good sandwich. Is it an amazing sandwich? Does it astonish (laughs) you? Are you left in awe? I don't know. Nah, no. The sandwich was amazing, but so was the feeling of confidence I had from knowing exactly what I was going to order beforehand. Usually I get flustered spending ages umming and aahing over what to choose. Mm -hmm. Is this why people have go-to orders? I always assumed it was because people were unadventurous and didn't want to try new things. Do you have a go-to order at different places or do you like to try something new every time like me? E million new foods to try, Emily. Ah, um, I as I have entered into middle age, definitely doing a lot more go-to orders. I'm like, I know what I like. I'm gonna get what I like, and that is that is happening all over, at at like almost all of the restaurants that I go to, even the ones that have like big menus with lots of different yeah like dishes on them, not yeah. just like sandwich places or fast food places. I mean, I'm I'm doing this with most of my life now. Pants. You forget about uh-huh. sandwiches. Like, I just, I really just want 18, well, that's too many. I I really just want like seven pairs of the same pants. Yeah, I could get away with three pairs of jeans that I really mm, like. Uh, and and mm. this is, I, I could, I could. You could. Um, okay, so I, now, now this is going to be unrelated. We're really diverging here, but it's a question I need to ask you. I I need yeah, an opinion on this. We need to go back to this, though, because I have an important subway story. But yeah. OK. Um, do you feel like it's OK to only care about your top half when it comes to style and then to just like have the bottom half taken care of by like no. I have socks, I have shoes, I have pants. No. And then like I'm going to style the top half and then everything's going to go with my jeans. No. You know what? That's a little bit like for me. That's a little bit like when you only style the front part of your hair because it's the part you see. <laughs> that's totally what I do. But you don't do anything with like the back hair because whatever, that's other people's problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, mean, I mean, I think it's, I've been I, cutting it, my own hair for over a year now. And yeah. so like, I can't do the back. I mean, it if, looks bad back there. If the answer is, is it okay? Yeah, of course it's okay. It's fine. You do you, do what you want, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to like personal style. But yeah. I, when I'm, when I'm dressing up, I like to imagine an outfit at every level. It just makes me more happy. Wow. But can we get back to Subway? So I don't have enough shoes for that. Um, oh, I do. But yeah, hit me with your Subway story. So Sarah worked at Subway. And because Sarah mm-hmm. worked at Subway, I always feel like when we go to Subway, I just let Sarah order for me because she knows. She knows <laughs> the ins and outs of that menu. She knows what's yeah. good. She knows like what nothing's, flavor combinations are going to in the last 15 years. Very little has changed in the years. last 15 years. You still yeah. don't get the seafood salad. You still, you know, oh, yeah. like you're taking a little bit of a, of, of a risk, I think, if you get the tuna. But- more to the point, until I started dating Sarah, my go-to Subway sandwich, and I know this is pretty horrifying, but it's true, was roast beef, cheese, and bread. 
Wow. And I'd been eating that since I was in like sixth grade because I had a lot of food aversions when I was a kid. It'll surprise you to learn. And uh, <laughs> and I, I like, I like, I still like, sometimes I'll still get the roast beef cheese and bread sandwich and they'll be like, what kind of cheese? And I'll be like, the one you had in 1988. <laughs> Whichever one that one is. <laughs> I don't know what you guys and are calling it now. don't you dare heat it up. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> white and it looks very sort of limp. <laughs> yeah. Do you, I, I'd like your I'd like your limp cheese, please. That's the provolone. That's a good one. No, it's the American. Oh, you like the white American. Yeah, the, yeah. they don't have any they don't have any orange cheese there. No orange <laughs> cheese at Subway. <laughs> My mine was a, a meatball sub for a long time, but then I, I realized that, that that was not doing the work of Subway, Ugh. which was supposed to be the healthier alternative, which <laughs> when you get a meatball sub with cheese on it, it's not that oh yeah that's just a big hamburger no foods are healthy foods food is food exactly it's sustenance it exists to be sustenance like this this weird hierarchical ranking of food is uh a problem for me maybe not a problem for other people but i i it's bad it's bad when i do it in my head anyway it all reminds me that today's podcast is brought to you by the orlando florida subways of 1991 the orlando florida subways of 1991 (laughs) proudly serving roast beef cheese and bread I was a I would for before Subway I was a ham and mayonnaise boy is all I, re- I would have yeah ham and mayonnaise I know I, I like know it. I remember I still God I oh, still love it's mayonnaise. so gross and sometimes like our our sandwiches would get swapped in oh, lunch bags yeah. and I would end up with like a ham and mayonnaise sandwich and I would try to I would try to like oh it's so gross so slimy ah. Mm-hmm. What's our next yep. podcast sponsor, Hank? I can't think about it anymore. Oh, uh, this podcast is, is also brought to you by the Monkey Works. The Monkey Works. <laughs> <clears throat> They're down there making it work. Do not throw a wrench into them. That was dangerous for them. <sighs> I really thought that was the phrase, a wrench in the Monkey Works. I'm going to Google it. I'm not, I'm not totally convinced <laughs> it's not the phrase. Wrench in the... Oh man, there's wrenching the works, wrenching the gears, wrenching the plans, wrenching the cog, wrenching the machine, wrenching the spokes, wrenching the system. <laughs> what about wrenching the monkey? Oh, the wrenching mon- the monkey oh, works. Somebody has said wrenching the monkey works. Throw a monkey, at, but if you Google it, it immediately- uh, Yes, it, it corrects it, you. It corrects it's you. It's one of those things where like Google tries to correct you in a generous and kind way so that you don't go over to Bing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Google's biggest fear is that you're going to become a hardcore Bing user because Google's going to hurt your feelings. Uh, which reminds me, actually, that today's podcast is also brought to you by Bing. Bing, it's going to happen. <laughs> this podcast also is brought to you by almost everything. We don't know it. We don't. We just don't know it. We have a Project for Awesome message, John. It's from Will Langle, who is from Alberta, Canada, and who is writing to Future Me. Future me, if you've graduated by the time they read this, I hope you are encouraging your students to love learning the same way that John and Hank have for you over the years. If things are hard, remember that you're awesome and your students are lucky to have you. Brothers Green, you have inspired me to teach. Will you share some words of wisdom with a new teacher? Oh, that seems like, Will, Hank and I don't know how to teach. We don't know. Your job is very uh, hard. what I can say is it's deeply important and really wonderful, and we're proud of you and happy that you are doing this work in the world. Yeah, and really grateful if you feel like we could have a seat at the table in your life as you were pursuing that career, because there are a lot of hard things about teaching, 
But as a friend of mine who's a teacher recently said to me, the nice thing about my job is that I never wake up in the morning wondering if it matters. And it is really important. Like I look back on the teachers I had who were empathetic toward me and who were patient with me. And I know full well that I wouldn't be here without them. Lovely. This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by ZocDoc. Look, there are, I think it's fair to say, some imperfections in the American healthcare system, but there are ways that it actually has recently gotten easier. I don't compromise on a lot of things, but I do not love feeling like I can't find the right doctor for me. And I've gotten very lucky that I have found some good doctors for me. When it comes to your health, there shouldn't be compromise. Don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines slash their family group chat slash their crossword puzzles just because they're available right now or they happen to take your insurance. Instead, like you don't have to keep going back to a doctor who you don't like. You can check out ZocDoc, a place where you can find and book doctors who make you feel comfortable, who listen to you, who prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance type. So literally, no compromises. Because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you think. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more phone calls and waiting on hold with a receptionist. We don't have time for this anymore. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. Booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed, credible doctors and specialists. The typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even sometimes score same-day appointments. Go to ZocDoc.com slash DearHank and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then you can book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash DearHank. ZocDoc.com slash DearHank. Every time I know it's coming and I'm like, I'm going to have to say ZocDoc.com right now, aren't I? And then I do. I'm getting good at it, everybody. ZocDoc.com. Earlier in this episode, I was trying to remember the name of the International Astronomical Union. Yes. I think you called it the International International Astronomical Union. Or something like that. Yeah. And when I was doing that, I typed into Google, who decides? Because I was going to write what a planet is. But who does decide? Who decides in general? Yeah. But the first autocomplete was who decides when Easter is, which my first thought was, but then I was a little bit like, well, (laughs) and I didn't know the answer. It's a tough one. I figure that you would be the, of the two of us, the one who would be better at answering that question. Well, I mean, there's more than one answer. Are we asking who decided when the first Easter was? Because like, there's, I guess there's two ways of thinking about that. One way would be Pont- Pontius Pilate decided. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, the other way- I shouldn't have left. The yeah. other way would be that- um, God decided, right? God decided. And then there would yeah. even maybe be a third way, which is that like maybe the spring equinox played a role. Right. That, that there was uh, some some significance to the- yeah, right. and that there was some maybe some moving around of uh, early holidays. Yeah. That said, Easter of the major Christian holidays is the one that is sort of uh, time time defined fairly carefully in the Gospels. So mm-hmm. okay. I guess the answer is depending on your perspective, either God or Pontius Pilate. Right, but instead of like picking a specific day, they went for 
something. Yeah, the yeah. First Sunday and it's around something. It, it, it's it's connected to Passover, the the Jewish okay. holiday of Passover. So it's it is complex. Well, I mean, yes and but no. Also, it's, it's not that complex. Like it, we can figure out when Easter is going to be in okay. five hundred years, if that's what you're asking. Like it's it's not that hard to right. figure out. Like. They don't like every January 1st, they don't have a meeting of the International Astronomical Union to have a debate about what what day Easter is going to be. Now, interestingly, Easter is not celebrated on the same Sunday by all Christians. Like uh, Greek and other Orthodox Easter's are several weeks later than what I think of as like my Easter. I mean, I guess it's not really my, you know what I mean. So I guess who decides when Easter is is kind of all of us together. Yeah, like so many things. Well, yes, or 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 God, or part. Yeah, there's a lot of answers. The real question okay. is, <laughs> <laughs> there are so many great questions. Google autofills from <laughs> who decides. It's hard to pick a favorite yeah, one. I know. But, may, but I, was I, pretty, I was kind of upset by a I couple of my, them. I think my favorite one is. Who decides war? <laughs> Who does decide war? I found a few of those a little bit upsetting, honestly. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those things where you realize that the um, algorithm has some biases. Like some of these questions, who decides questions, I don't even feel comfortable reading out loud. <laughs> yeah. I find them offensive. Yeah. Another really good who decides question is, who decides on the punishment for treason? <laughs> that's All like of the, these. That, that's like the second one down. All all of these are things that we decide together. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, though I I don't know. And it, it, yeah, n- but we don't always have we don't always have an equal voice in no, these conversations. That is that is certainly for sure. John, this next question comes from Sarah, who asks, "Dear Hank and John, when I was diagnosed with asthma eight years ago, my allergist asked how much I sneeze, and I replied, not often, just a normal amount. And she said, and I quote, "It is not normal to sneeze. I never sneeze." Now I think about her every time I sneeze. Now I now I think about her. Uh, now I think about her every time I sneeze, Sarah. This is this is the craziest thing I have it ever heard a medical Hello. doctor say. I am a, I am a doctor of medicine. What? I spent what? 18 years studying for this. It is not normal to sneeze. <laughs> I never <laughs> sneeze. I mean, the the phrase it's not normal to sneeze is in and of itself a little uncomfortable for me, but following it up with almost like 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 a qualitative statement, like yeah. I have reached a level of enlightenment whereby I no longer need to sneeze. I once it, I, everything about that quote, it's not normal to sneeze, I, I never, never sneeze, sneeze, is an astonishment. Like, what do you think that doctor thinks when sneezing, right? Like, because we all know they sneeze. <laughs> they sneeze. So, so in that moment, do you think they think like, do you, so I, I can only think there's two possibilities. One is that they think like, oh God, I feel a moral failure coming on. And then the other possibility is that maybe when they sneeze, they think like, that wasn't a sneeze. That wasn't a real sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen other people sneeze and I'm not doing that. That wasn't. No, that wasn't like an asthma sneeze. That was, uh, yeah, yeah, that was, 
<laughs> I, I never sneeze. Look, what we've a, been what a we've sentence. been running we've been running an advice podcast for I don't know how many years now, and I think if there was a person who never sneezed, we would have gotten that question. <laughs> they would have heard the podcast and been like, "I need to. Add, I'm a little weirded out by this. I see other people doing it. I know it's a normal thing, but I never sneeze." They would have asked. That's what we're here yeah. for. That exact circumstance. I will say. So 95% of purportedly normal persons, I don't know how this is defined by uh-huh. the Journal of Rhinology, uh-huh. but 95% of purportedly normal persons sneeze less than four times a day on average. But you'll notice that sneezing less than four times a day is not an example of never sneezing. It's hundreds or thousands of sneezes a year. I never sneeze like if I heard someone say to me, I never sneeze, I would be like, are you are you an alien who is inhabiting a human suit and who just like just revealed themselves to me? Or alternately, like, do you have some kind of like force shield that surrounds you that when you sneeze makes you immediately think like, nope, not that didn't happen. My allergist. My allergist said to me, it's not normal to sneeze. I never sneeze. I never sneeze. This person is a criminal. (laughs) I never sneeze. I never sneeze. Like, they need to be investigated. You know, they have that podcast, Dr. Death, where it's like, man, this was a really bad doctor. This doctor like uh, lied to thousands of people and and told them that they had cancer when they really didn't. This doctor was a monster. Here's a 12 episode podcast series about this monstrous doctor. I want a 12 episode podcast about the allergist who tells people I never sneeze. (laughs) About Dr. McNever sneeze, the, the greatest criminal doctor of our times. It's not normal to sne- Oh my god. Like well, uh, I am so glad that I've been primed now that this is a possibility so that if this ever happens to me I can instead of just being dumbfounded and like questioning my own sanity I can stand up and walk out of the room. <laughs> I believe I'm going to have to consult with another allergist specifically a human one. <laughs> well, as they call them in the business a sneezer. <laughs> That may be the actual like definition. I don't I don't want to exclude anyone from humanness, you know? Yeah. But yeah. it's really hard to define what a human is, and I think it might just be a person who sneezes. <laughs> Maybe there I'm gonna are need people to talk to a never... sneezer about this. <laughs> Yeah, because you like ultimately, don't you want a doctor who can on some level empathize with you rather than being like, unfortunately, I literally can't know what that's like because I don't sneeze, never have, don't know what it's like, can't feel it, it's not normal. All I know, all I know about sneezing is that it is not normal. You do not want to be a sneezer. You need to go back to your allergist and you need to say, all right, doctor, never sneezer, Scrooge. (laughs) And then, and then be like, I I didn't plan it past that. That's all I had. The great thing about this is you walk out, you look, 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 I thought of never sneeze or Scrooge and I'm done. (laughs) The relationship is over. This doctor is extremely successful in in one way, right? Which is that every single person who's ever heard the sentences, (laughs) 
<laughs> sneezing is not normal. I've never sneezed. Every single person who's heard that, when every time I sneeze for the rest of my life, I'm going to think of that doctor. And also my own personal failing that I have not correctly addressed my medical issue of being a sneezer. My humors are all out of whack, and as a result, I've become a sneezer again. I also, oh, no. is it okay if I start to think of myself as a person who um, used to be a sneezer, but is no longer a sneezer until my next sneeze? You know, right, so like right, right now, right. Yeah. I used to be a sneezer, and it was a real problem. Mm-hmm. I sneezed, I mean, up to four times a day sometimes, but now... Mm-hmm. Finally, at last, I have achieved nirvana and I am no longer a sneezer. And then the next time I sneeze, I'll be like, damn. <laughs> no, I'm only a sneezer during the moments I'm sneezing. In the spaces between, <laughs> I never sneeze. <laughs> right. Like the, the sentence, I never sneeze, was <laughs> more. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't literal. It was more of like, I'm not the kind, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the sneezing type. It's not occasionally we all slip up, you know, but like I'm not I'm not the <laughs> next time I like I'm in a room with somebody who sneezes, I'm gonna be like, you know, it's not normal to sneeze. I never sneeze. <laughs> you know, How do you, you know, only a- like only like five percent of people sneeze. They're just really loud about it. Oh god. How do you look at a doctor? In the eyes, when they say the words to you, I never sneeze and not just burst out laughing. I mean, what? I never, I mean, I rarely sneeze or like, you know, I'm concerned that your sneezing may not be normal or that your sneezing may be a sign of an underlying condition. Yes. But like, why are you getting involved at all? Like, I, I, I'm the patient here. Like, I don't need to know your sneezing history. Like, yeah, I don't I, need to know your weird broken op, your broken face nerves. If you if you want to come to me as an allergist, I will be happy to analyze your purported never sneezing. I, I okay. So here's my first. Here's, I need to. Cut. Have you ever wanted to refer your doctor to another doctor? <laughs> you're talking to your doctor, and you're like, you're actually, like, hey, can I write you a referral? To a to a neurologist. Yeah, I know. You, I notice you're in a room full of allergists. I wonder if you could talk to one of them about the fact that you've apparently never sneezed. I it's not normal to sneeze. My initial impulse when somebody tells me they've never sneezed is, of course, to like try to make them sneeze. You know. <laughs> and so I would. What, here's what I would. Here's my honest advice. Mm-hmm. I would request a follow up appointment. And I would say, listen, I know it's been six years since I saw you, yeah. but I can't stop thinking about this. <laughs> I have a memory of you saying, sneezing is never normal. I have no. never sneezed. Tell me. Did you, did you, did you say, say that? that? Did you say that? And if you didn't say that, I can walk out of here a happy person and you can get your fee for right. our 20-minute visit. Yeah. And it's only going to ca- cost you five seconds. But if you did. If you did. If you did wait, say it. I, I I require this entire 20 minutes and I have brought pepper. <laughs> uh, we're not going to go outside and we're going to look at the sky. Because <laughs> that's what does it for Hank. I, I have 20 minutes to make you sneeze. Yeah. And I'm going to do everything under my power to do it. No, and what what you need to do is 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 follow them around anytime they are in public, and oh. when they finally sneeze, you go ah! <laughs> I got gotcha! you. 
Yeah, you jump out of the bushes like a private investigator and you're like, seven years ago, you told me that you never sneeze and I've been following you ever since and you just sneezed. (laughs) I will take my apology in written form. Thank you. My God. Okay, John. I think it's time for the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. What do you got for me? I mean, I know I know roughly what we got, but what do we got? I mean, the main news from AFC Wimbledon is that there's apparently a licensed physician who says that they've never sneezed. <laughs> uh, AFC Wimbledon played <laughs> their second game since 2016 that meant nothing. And boy, did I enjoy every second of that thrilling nil-nil draw against Lincoln City. (laughs) Oh, it was great. It was just lovely. At no point did we look likely to score. And indeed, at no point did they look likely to score. And I didn't care. Uh, everybody was like, let's just let's just not hurt ourselves, boys. <laughs> AFC Wimbledon have officially ended the season in 19th place, one whole spot above wow. the final non-relegation place, which went to Wigan Athletic. The relegated teams this season were Rochdale, Northampton, Swindon Town, and Bristol Rovers. It's always sad. I, I feel really bad, especially for Rochdale fans, because they were so close to staying up. Mm. Mm-hmm. Just didn't happen for them. And uh, Wimbledon survive another season in League One. And I got to say, I'm really enthusiastic about the future. I thought, I, I really feel like the, the team is coming together. And if you look at like our our last two months, how many points per game we were getting, forget about finishing 19th. Like we were near the playoffs. Yeah. So I'm... I, that's not to say that I expect it to like. And and that will totally be the case next year when you have a completely different team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, this is the beginning of the season where players are like, I have enjoyed my loan spell at AFC Wimbledon and will now be returning mm-hmm. to my parent club to have a wonderful career in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, and that happens every year and we're used to it. I, I think the club is in better find a better financial position than a lot of clubs at, at this level of English football, just because a lot of clubs have, have taken on mm. more mm. Uh, debt, but everybody's in a tight spot. It's, you know, this is not the easiest economy in which to figure out a uh, football budget because they don't know how many people are going to be mm-hmm. in the stands. Yeah. So, it it begins another interesting and challenging offseason for Wimbledon, but let's take a second to just express our gratitude to everybody on that AFC Wimbledon team who fought and scrapped and scraped for these 51 points to ensure that we have another season in the third tier of English football. I, I just, I'm so grateful to all of them, starting with the coach, Mark Robinson, my favorite player, 19-year-old Ayuba Sal, who's just pure courage pure hard work. I love I love to watch him play. So grateful to Joe Piggott for another season banging in 20 goals. We needed those goals. And if Joe Piggott leaves, I do not know where they mm-hmm. are going to come from. But I didn't know where they were going to come from when Lyle Taylor left. So yeah. hopefully we'll find a way. But yeah, it's it. I, I cannot believe that we have somehow found a way to survive again. How do we do it year after year after year? And please, next year, can we not do it? Can we just stay up like with five weeks to go or something? <laughs> or that's be just solidly in the just uh, be up the, be up there in the tippy tops. Why not? Yeah, just like finish like tenth, like 
Ipswich Town. Yeah, good old Ipswich Town. In the news from Mars, uh, you can now listen to a helicopter on Mars if you want to by Googling listen to helicopter on Mars, probably. That will probably work. So um, Perseverance was able to record the audio of Ingenuity. Uh, it has two microphones on the mast cam, and it can combine video with audio, which you can watch, which is very cool. The rover was 262 meters away, or feet, sorry, feet away from the helicopter when it took off. And uh, that distance combined with the atmosphere being very thin and the wind that would also be blowing on the microphone what made it like not entirely clear that they would be able to actually hear this, but you can, you can hear it. They did a little bit of work to bring up the frequencies of the helicopter audio, but that's very cool. Um, and yeah. you can hear it sort of fly away and then uh, because it's, it's moving around and that's super cool and weird and you can go watch it on NASA's website. It sounds really good. Like the quality of the audio is pretty darn good considering it's coming from Mars. Yeah. Yeah. And also that like, you know, those, there's always wind. And so it's like, wait, yeah. and there's, it's 1% of the number of air molecules that we have on earth to carry the sound through it, which also is going to make things much quieter. I know. That's what I keep thinking about when I watch these videos from the surface of Mars, now that they're in such high resolution, I just keep thinking like, holy, I mean, I know that I know that the rover doesn't have feelings. Like, I, I understand that intellectually, but there's still part of me that's like, holy moly, that would be lonely. <laughs> like, it's real quiet. There's, you know, the main sound is the sound of wind. And it makes me conscious of like how many sounds I hear all the time other than wind. Mm -hmm. And like the sudden loss of all those sounds to be replaced only by this sort of the single Mars sound would be very surreal. Yeah. But kind of beautiful. I, I like to imagine, I don't know, it's it's just really cool that we can know what it would sound like. I mean, of course, we can't know exactly what it sounds like, but it's very cool to think that like we sort of know what it would sound like to stand there. Mm -hmm. It just makes it more real to me for some reason. Yeah, like, me just too. Just like, yeah, you know, we've, we've had pictures from Mars for a long time. We've had even really high resolution or even three-dimensional pictures from Mars, but like, I don't know, adding sound to the mix, which like th there is some scientific value to the sound. Like you could maybe learn some things about the atmosphere. You could maybe learn some things about the spacecraft itself, but mostly this is really just about like having a more immersive, like, wow, this is a car on Mars and a yeah. whole drone helicopter too. And that's right. pretty cool. Yeah. John, thank you for making a podcast with me. Uh, and thank you to everybody who sent in your questions because it wouldn't be much of a podcast without them. You can send those to, I don't even know, hankandjohn at gmail.com. I, I haven't said that in so long, I, I forgot it almost. Yeah, but do email us. It said hankandjohn at gmail.com. We love your emails. We do. We're off to record our Patreon-only podcast, This Weekend Stuff, which uh, where we talk about things that are bringing us joy right now. You can find that at patreon.com slash dearhankandjohn. This podcast is edited by Joseph Tunamedish. It's produced by Rosiana Hals-Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. Our communications coordinator is Julia Bloom. Our editorial assistant is Taboki Chakravarty. The music you're hearing now and at the beginning of the podcast is by the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be awesome. awesome.